wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm Minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Uh, I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. And because today's Tuesday, I am your host. Uh, What a fantastic day it is here in Adelaide today. Now, folks, look, if you'd love to join us, perhaps you'd like to share with us how things are at your neck of the woods, at your place, then why not do that? Uh, Why not share a positive thought, maybe a comment on one of the issues we're discussing? If you'd simply like to say hello uh, or tell us how glorious the weather is at your place, uh, you can do it by texting us on 04888. 80811 and now, folks, this week, uh, we're asking that, uh, that really vital question. Uh, we're looking at the theme, Essential Steps to Jesus. And today, we're asking the all-important question, what is the gospel? Uh, now, why on earth would a Christian radio station a chat on such a foundational question? Uh, do you know in... Paul's, uh, Paul's epistle to the Corinthians, uh, you get Paul describing the gospel as a, as a stumbling block to the Greeks and foolishness to the Jews. Or is it the other way around? I think it's actually the other way around. It has, hasn't actually changed uh, that much uh, today, but we want to talk about the subject of what is the gospel today. This is so core to everything that we hold that we hold dear uh, as Bible-believing Christians. Today our co-host is uh, Pastor Marty Thompson, and Marty is the pastor for the Grace Adventist Centre and the Sterling Adventist Church right here in Adelaide. Now, he's also a trainer for small groups here in South Oz. Now, welcome to you, Marty. Hey, it's great to be here, Pastor Gary. I'm excited about the program today. Ah, oh, it's a it's a really wonderful program. Uh, how are you enjoying the uh, the weather in Adelaide right now? It's been glorious. I've been going out for these beautiful walks, just soaking in the sunlight. I tell you, you know, my spring is starting to, um, you know, it's starting to get closer. The warmer weather is almost there. Yeah. The um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic spring and autumn particularly here in Adelaide would have to be one of the most uh, it would have to be the pick of worldwide cities to actually be, be living in it, it this is glorious and I've lived in many many uh, parts of uh, certainly parts of Australia and now tell me you're running currently a community series how is that going yeah we've been running the I discover revelations prophecy series it's been fantastic there's been a good number of people coming along and and we've we've gone into all sorts of subjects. We've we've looked at many of the prophecies of the Bible. Yeah. We've looked at many subjects that often Christians don't actually look into. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's been very eye-opening and very encouraging for people mm-hmm. and strengthening their faith. It's also been challenging as you come to when you read the word of God, you 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 should always expect that it's going to bring about change and transformation in your life. You should mm-hmm. always expect that God is going to reveal 
truth to you and truth demands a change truth brings about a transformation in our lives yeah 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 no that 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 is so true and uh, that's something that it's so easy to overlook you know it's so easy to make uh, your christian experience very theological in its nature rather than practical in its nature and what you're actually reflecting on there is the practical reality of a a christian experience rather than the theological uh, realities which we tend to fall back on uh, before we certainly look at the the practice. It's very, and it's a very, um, the Bible is just so full of answers to life's most difficult questions. It, and there's so much in the Bible, and I find so often that when people start to actually study the Bible, they're shocked at what's actually there. Yeah. They, you know, even many Christians who've gone to church for years sometimes yeah. come along to a series like this one and they go, I have been going to church f- all my life and yet I've never heard these things. I've never, no one's ever shared this. Yeah. And I think that this is a symptom, I suppose, of, um, where Christianity is at in many ways today, mm. where it kind of just, uh, you know, touches on a few subjects, but, but doesn't necessarily really go and look at the whole Bible and all the teachings that are there, and the teachings are there for our blessing. It's, it's actually incredibly uh, shallow, but not very, and not very deep is, is certainly what I'm finding. But look, that actually does bring me to what is our worldwide segment, because I've got something, I mean, you're an evangelist, you're running evangelism uh, right now, uh, and of course something started just yesterday. Uh, this is uh, featured in quite a, a number of the, uh, of the religion press articles right now, and that's, of course, is the Parliament of World Religions that it's a meeting over in uh, in Chicago now that commenced just yesterday American time now uh, I actually picked up the article that uh, is actually in the uh, um, religion news dot uh, uh, com and uh, you can get it at other other places as well but this is what that article said and I'd like to just sort of bounce something off you and just sort of see how you respond to it uh, the title is a Parliament of World Religions hopes to harness faith to address the world's ills More than 6,500 religious leaders from 95 countries had registered for the gathering, which returns to Chicago for the first time since the 1990s. And then in the article itself, it says thousands of religious leaders from Buddhist to Zoroastrian gathered in Chicago's cavernous McCormick Palace uh, Conference Centre on uh, Monday, uh, August 14, for the opening day of the Parliament of World Religions, a historic and influential gathering. Leaders from the wide range of faiths urged attenders uh, to appreciate both the uniqueness of their own spiritual traditions as well as traditions of their neighbours and to work together to address the world's biggest problems. Uh, the founder of Chicago, of the Chicago-based Interfaith America, uh, was commenting on this and told Religious News Service uh, that much of the nation's interfaith movement, including the organisation he leads, was inspired by the work of the parliament. 
This week, it gives a profound gift to the world, a demonstration that faith is a source of inspiration, not domination, a bridge of cooperation, not a barrier to division, he said. As of Monday afternoon, more than 6,500 attenders from 95 countries representing 212 spiritual traditions had registered for the parliament, with more attending online. Along with plenary sessions about climate change and defending human rights, the Parliament's meeting uh, offered hundreds of workshops and panels, as well as networking uh, opportunity. The article then then finished by by saying this, and it's this thing that I, this is what I'd like to pick up uh, with you. We are really focusing on the rise of authoritarianism and the rise uh, of the threat of a certain elevation of one's religious tradition over others, he says. And this is happening around the world in working in concert with political and other kinds of, of power. Now, uh, you know, Marty, this is something that I, I'd love to sort of get your, get your feedback on. I'm, many years ago, there was actually a meeting of the Parliament World, of World Religions here in Melbourne, Australia. And, and at that time, uh, I certainly, I've been a, a student of biblical prophecy for many years. And I, I see in this type of uh, gathering uh, incredible significance because uh, certainly biblical prophecy talks about an end time coming together uh, of uh, a religio-political form. And uh, I went along and I attended uh, the meeting here in Australia, not because I supported their uh, their objectives, because I wanted to actually see what was uh, what was actually going going on. Now, the thing is, though, on, on face value, you know, to the man in the street, this type of a meeting is it's a positive, it's a significant, it's far reaching. It's an it's a major initiative. Now, in many ways, it makes good politics. But I just wonder to what extent do you believe it undermines biblical Christianity? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, is this something we should be rejoicing about or are there major issues uh, with this type of meeting? You know, there's uh, often things that um, appear good on the surface can actually be quite sinister underneath. Yeah. You know, um there are there are there are various things that uh, you know that uh, you know that that govern our world and and things like that that on the on the face value it appears good mm-hmm. but uh, when we look into it deep and and when you look into it from a biblical perspective it's it's not so good I I think that the reality is that. Um, you know, this it does appear to be a, a positive thing. Do you, you know? sense any issues with it? Absolutely, there's major issues with it, Pastor Gary. I think, you know, first of all, you know, truth truth cannot be um, truth cannot be sacrificed for unity. Mm. You know, because if you sacrifice truth for unity, what are you standing on? Yeah. What's yeah. what's your foundation? You know, if, if all you're aiming towards is unity, you'll be willing to compromise. You'll be willing to sacrifice principle in order to get that unity. Yeah. And ultimately, that doesn't result in, in, in positive thinking. You know, I mean, if, if you think about how many religions there are, there are thousands of different religions. Can you really just say, look, let's all just set aside our differences and let's just 
get get along with each other and and you know because that that just that defies all logic you can't just I know, s- I, yeah i i know myself when i um when i went to uh, uh certainly the parliament of world religions that occurred in uh, uh in melbourne i, I was there for about a, a week uh i i suppose i came away i was when I came away, I was literally blown away uh, because myself, I I couldn't understand how uh, incredibly um, um, faiths that had. You know, I, I well remember being in a seminar where the a, a major Protestant leader of a of a of a Protestant faith stood up and apologised to everybody else that was in that room uh, because of uh, his far his his four fathers uh, actually um, uh, proselytizing or evangelizing their um, uh, to establish their you know their own particular religion uh, as I as I looked at this I sort of started to say hey you know I mean we're saying hey we've got a parliament of world religions we're going to to come together but some of the some of the questions that you know came into my mind you know who exactly are we worshiping here because you certainly had you had Protestants you had Catholics you had uh, you had Muslims you had the Jewish people you had uh, uh, the Buddhists you had uh, Zoroastrian, you had hundreds, you even had Wicca, you had, you know, you, you had those that worship the devil, you know, they're just simply spiritualities all, you know, in this, uh, uh, in this group together. And the question that keeps coming to my mind was, who exactly are we worshiping? This is a, a conference of spirituality. Who is actually being worshiped at this mm. conference? And, and to me, you know, you had people there that worshiped one God, you had people there that worshiped Many gods, which god were were we all actually are going to going to be worshiping? Uh, you know, to, to me that troubled me uh, deeply. And then there was the whole uh, the whole matter of evangelism. You know, um, Marty, one of the things that really jumped out at me when I was uh, there in Melbourne was that I actually learnt a term that I'd never heard before. In fact, when I first heard it, I thought, "Is that actually possible?" And uh, the term was predatory proselytization. Now, proselyt. I can hardly say it, uh, is, of course, evangelism. And uh, uh, at, uh, if, in fact, you're going to have a, uh, a coming together of religions, uh, then, of course, one of the things that is totally anathema uh, is the whole concept of evangelism, any form uh, of, uh, of evangelism. And, you know, as this uh, particular presenter talked about predatory proselytization, uh, he was talking about uh, uh, the, the idea of uh, one particular religion, any religion, it didn't matter which one, attempting to convert somebody else from a, another religion. Now, of course, uh, to me, the thing that I struggled with is, of course, the scriptures are abundantly clear that the great commission of Christ is go, preach, teach, baptize, you know, to actually call people uh, to repentance, to come from their vain, from vain traditions into the, uh, into the, uh, the church of the, uh, the living God. That's the, you know, my understanding from the, yeah, from the you, New Testament. You've, you've literally, you've got to throw out the Bible. If you go along with that thinking of, hey, let's all just unite and let's just love one another, we can, you know, we don't have to worry about our differences of of theology or our differences of worship. And, you know, you've got to get rid of the Word of God. Yeah. And yeah, if you get yeah. rid of God's Word, what's, what's your foundation? You're left with nothing. You know, it just becomes a humanistic 
attempt to try and resolve world issues, and that never works. Well, what do you do with Peter's, you know, claim in uh, in about Acts chapter chapter three? There is no other name given amongst men by which we must be saved. Yep. You know, some would certainly uh, criticise that statement as being incredibly exclusive, but uh, the reality is, it's actually the most inclusive because there's a call to all to come to the living God. Yeah. That's right. It's, it's, you know, I think it's a, it's a movement that prioritizes the, you know, the appearance of love and kindness and, you know, and respect. It's only the appearance of it though, because it's, it's not genuine. You can't have genuine love, like you're saying, and have a Satan worshiper and a, a God worshiper working together. That's impossible. The, you know, the first day of creation, God separated the light from the darkness yeah, and there's a yeah. spiritual law there. You cannot mingle light and dark. It's yeah. just impossible. Yeah. And you can try all you like. You can try and press it into a mold and, and get some political advantages out of it. And you can look back in history and see how, you know, emperors, Constantine the Great and others have attempted to do this very thing in the past. And all it ends up doing is diluting the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, the, the, the whole scriptures have actually been given in order to promote and to reveal truth, reveal heaven's will for our lives and for the, the life of our world. You know, God has done an amazing thing there. But then for us to say, hey, all that, none of that actually matters. We're going to come together on some supposed political footing in order to uh, save our world because mm. that's the, actually the attempt of this thing is to actually to save our world when in fact the scriptures say hey your world can't be saved in that in that manner i'm gonna and and i'm gonna challenge i guess an idea and that is does the man on the street even care that much about all these world religions trying to come together and unite i think honestly the secular person on the street looks at it and just goes they'd honestly have to think to themselves how ridiculous yeah. How yeah, foolish. Yeah, yeah. Can't these people see that they believe so differently? How, how, I think the man on the street, the average man on the street actually looks at something like this, you know, thousands of different religious faiths trying to all merge together and just goes, what an absolute, you know, how silly is that? I think the man on the street is actually waiting for people to come and actually show practical, instead of getting all politically minded, the man on the street's waiting for someone to actually extend a hand to them and to show what true principled living is all about. Yeah, yeah. Look, that's... They, they, I'd, I reckon they see through a lot of the politics. I, I, I agree with you totally. And, and, you know, to me, the thing that just absolutely blows me away is if I go into a book of Revelation, particularly chapters 18 and 19, what I find is that those prophecies speak so abundantly clearly of a time coming uh, just before the end of time where what we're actually going to... Uh, what we're going to see is a coming together of a religio-political form and to me, as I look at this, I turn around and say, hey, I see things happening in my world. When I uh, went to that Parliament of World Religions in in Melbourne, uh, I, I was certainly, I was able to ask some questions and the answers, I I went away shaking my head. I've got, to the, I took so many notes and to this day in my preaching, I share on some of those experiences I had at that particular Parliament because ever uh, there was something that had totally undermined everything that the, uh, the biblical Christianity stands 
for. It was that particular belief and how uh, the majority of the uh, of the Christian world could actually be there was a total mystery to me, and I was so pleased that my own denomination was not there. I want to just say quickly, jump in on that. This idea of the majority, you know, the reality is. When in history have the majority actually been doing the right thing? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, so often we have had common beliefs, we've had common ideas, you know, for, for centuries people, you know, for millennia people, you know, many, many cultures believe that the world was flat, yeah. all of that kind of thing. They used to believe that heavier objects fell to the earth faster than, you know, than lighter objects and then Galileo up the Leaning Tower of Pisa, you know, disproved <laughs> that. And, um, you know, the, it's interesting, I recently discovered this one actually, that Aristotle had he had classed spiders as insects because they only have six legs, according to Aristotle in the 4th century BC. Well, nobody bothered to really check it for about 2,000 years, and then lo and behold, they discover, wait on, they've got eight legs. <laughs> and for the, for, for, you know, and so the we do not come to truth by a majority vote. We only come to it through investigation. Yeah. And yeah. the idea that we can just come together and say, let's put all of our unique identity actually you know it was it's contradictory it's saying let's celebrate our own uniqueness yeah but at the same time let's not try and um encourage anybody else to embrace our what we believe yeah that's that's a very you know that's that's a very foreign concept you know the reality is we do we are in a world where there is a conflict between good and evil yeah yeah Marty, thank you so much yeah. for, for, for all that you've actually shared there. Look, let's come to some, uh, some music. This is, uh, City of Light, uh, and, uh, and the song is, uh, uh, yet, uh, not I, but Christ in me. Please, uh, please enjoy.
better city, a light, uh, not I, but Christ in me. Uh, what a beautiful message that uh, that really is. Uh, now, folks, we, we do have uh, for you today a giveaway book. Now, this is a real beauty, uh, and uh, uh, it really fits our, uh, our week's theme so well. Uh, this week's uh, book is entitled Knowing Jesus, Knowing God. This book is all about Jesus. It reveals his personality, the reason that we can believe in him, the reason that we can depend on him, and how we can accept his salvation. By knowing Jesus, we know God. When we know God, the miracle at the heart of the Christian gospel begins in our lives. David Marshall has degrees, including a doctorate in history, but he chose to spend his life communicating the good news about Jesus Christ. He's never happier than when he's immersed in the four gospels. He believes in them. Uh, We encounter the living Christ and through them, the generous Father whose aims are wide open to those who return home. Uh, the book again is Knowing Jesus, Knowing Good God. Uh, look, folks, if, if in fact you you want to read something that's going to bring you closer to Jesus, if you want to read something that's going to be devotional in nature, if you want to read something that will challenge your thinking, uh, and yet uh, will build you up. This is the book uh, that you need to uh, need to request. Uh, the book again is Knowing Jesus, Knowing God. Uh, and uh, to get that book, all you need to do is to text us. Now our drive time text number is o four triple eight eight o eight eleven. Now that number again is o four triple eight eight o eight. 11. Uh, now look, why don't you program that into your phone? Because that way you can just under drive time, that way you can send us a message, you can request any of our books with the press of just one button. 04888-80811. And in your text, all you need to do is to put the code. Now the code today is SA131. Now that's a uh, five digits in a row. SA for South Australia, 131. No gap between the SA and the 130. And uh, just send that to to us, and that'll be picked up by our bot, by our robot, and uh, he'll come back to you. He'll ask you uh, just a few questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. You'll love this little book. SA131, five digits in a row is all you need to send to us. And that number again is 04888-80811. And the book that we're offering you is Knowing Jesus, Knowing God. Uh, this will bring the peace to your heart that you've been searching for. Also, if you've got any thoughts, if you've got any questions, uh, if you've got any comments that you'd like to make about our topic today, feel free to send those uh, those thoughts, comments and questions uh, into that same number uh, and uh, that will come directly to our uh, to our desk here. 04888-80811 and the code is SA131. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is uh, Pastor Marty Thompson, who pastors the Grace and Sterling Seventh-day Adventist churches. And this week we're asking, what are the essential steps to Jesus Christ? But today we're simply asking the question, what is 
the gospel. Now, look, for a, a Christian radio station, that seems to be a rather simplistic, uh, type of, uh, type of question. Uh, but just today, I, I went on to, uh, uh, Christianity.com and, uh, what I, what I found there, I actually typed in the gospel, uh, into Christianity.com and, uh, I wanted a definition of, of the gospel. And, uh, this is what uh, that website said. Many have commented on the fact that the Christian church in the Western world is going through a time of remarkable fragmentation. This fragmentation extends to our understanding of the gospel. For some Christians, the gospel is a narrow set of teachings about Jesus and his death and resurrection. Uh, Other voices... Identify the gospel with the first and second commandments, the commandments to love God with uh, all their heart and soul and mind and strengthen our neighbours as ourselves. These commandments are so central, I add, uh, that Jesus himself insists that on them all the law and the prophets hang. A third option today is to treat the ethical teachings of Jesus found in the gospels as the gospel. Now, that's from Christianity.com. They're introducing the subject of the gospel. What is the gospel? And there's three options to start with. Uh, Marty, help us out. What is this thing called uh, the gospel? Yeah, it's a great, great question. You know, this is the, this is the heart and soul of why, why we're here. And uh, I, I'm just going to pick up right from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul actually gives a description of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you were saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. Here it is. These the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So, in essence, the gospel does center in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Someone once said, the gospel is good news, it's not good advice. The gospel is the good news about Jesus. It's the good news that Jesus, who was in very nature God, didn't use that ability to his own advantage, but he actually took on humanity. He put on a human nature and he lived among us. He healed the sick. He defended the poor. He, you know, he, he lived in harmony with God's commandments. He always spoke the truth in love. And yet, though he only did good, Yet, though he only did what was right and pure and just and noble, he was Mm. crucified. He was crucified at the hands of wicked men. Mm. But he died not because of the nails, not because of the cross, but because the weight of the sin of this world was crushing out Mm. his life. Mm. And that Jesus would be willing to do that for one person is incredibly good news. Jesus didn't remain dead, though. Mm. He went into Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. He was in a borrowed tomb. And then on the third day, of course, he rose again, ascended back to God, and he is there. He's there in heaven at the right hand of God. He is uh, our great high priest. He's our soon coming king. This, The gospel centers in the person of Jesus Christ. But I don't think, Pastor Gary, we can really appreciate the gospel until we recognize our own human condition properly. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I recently came across a story about that was from uh, World War Two in the Ostwich concentration camp. Ten men actually escaped one night, and they had a policy that if ten prisoners escape, ten other prisoners will be publicly executed. Mm. Now, it's not fair, it's not just that ten people would escape and then ten others would be would be executed, shot dead as a result. But we live in a world that's not fair. Mm. Evil is not fair. Mm. Um, there is there is a lack of justice in our world. There's a there is a there is brokenness in our world. What ends up happening in this story is quite remarkable. The ten men who were lined up, that they, they were chosen at random from the prisoners mm. And all of them were in their 40s or a bit older except for one. There was one young man in his 20s named Francis. Mm-hmm. And his name is quite difficult, so I'm not going to try and pronounce it on on, on air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Francis, in his late 20s, he um, was going to leave behind a wife and, and, and children, three infant children, and... Um, and he was just brokenhearted at the uh, that uh, that he would leave his wife and three children behind. And just before the commander gave the order to shoot, someone spoke up. Someone spoke up in the crowd. One of the prisoners, and um, he he got the commander's attention. And the commander was furious that someone would interrupt the the proceedings. And he said, "Look, commander, the rules say." The ten escaped, ten need to be executed today, but it doesn't say which ten. And he said, let Francis go, let me take his place. His name, this man's name was Maximilian uh, Colby. He was a priest Mm. in his fifties and he stepped forward and he actually took the place of Francis. Francis, at the end of the war, went free. He went back to his wife, back to his children. But I think this is a powerful illustration and a powerful demonstration Mm. of the gospel. Mm. You know, we are like Francis. We are in that position where we, it doesn't seem fair, but we have. We've been born into a broken world, a world of evil and corruption. Yeah. And, And death is a result of that evil that is in this world. And we face death. And, um, and our sins, have separated us from God, and we need someone who's innocent to take our place. We need someone to step in and take the penalty for us so that we can go free, and Christ is that person who has stepped in for us, and it's that's that is in essence that is in essence the gospel yeah yeah the the gospel itself concerns Jesus Christ you know uh, to me I, I love the way that you've actually expressed that because what we actually find here is that uh, somebody else has acted on on my behalf what should have happened to me has actually been taken uh, by Christ himself uh, you know as as I um, uh, as I consider uh, that reality you know I in my ministry I have I have seen so many life changing uh, situations when a person has come to accept Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, there seems to be a power there. There's a transforming power that nothing else 
is able to, uh, you know, you mentioned that understanding what humanity is really like, and we might even dig just a little bit more into that, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just so conscious that what is humanity, you know, I mean, I think of the Old Testament talks about deceit, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, mm. and who can actually know it? And what is that actually saying? It's saying that, hey, you know, uh, for humanity, uh, who do we most care for? Well, I actually most care, according to the scriptures, for me. Uh, why is it that humanity can't transform our world? Humanity can't transform our world because humanity has got a sinful heart. Who does the, I actually said this in a sermon a little while ago, who does the white man care for most? He cares for the white, he cares for himself. Yeah. Who, who does every other nationality care for themselves? They actually care for themselves. We all care for ourselves most of all. Why is it that we can't transform this world? Why is it we can't transform ourselves? It's because of the problem of the human heart. Do you know, it's only when that problem is actually dealt with. Uh, I mean, Christ, I yeah. love it. You know, it talks about, you know, you must be born again. A new heart will I put be, put amongst you. A new heart I will put within you. You know, I love what uh, um, uh, Philippians chapter 2 says. Let this mind be in you that is also mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. And, you know, because of what Christ has actually done, the thing that I appreciate is that we've actually got a situation whereby uh, God is able to change what humanity is like. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm conscious, you know, even, you know, there may be some of our listeners, I'd be really surprised right now if there aren't some of our listeners, uh, people listening to us today who are saying, hey, look, you know, I have, I have struggled, I have struggled for years and years and years. You know, I've tried to do uh, the right thing, uh, but I struggle to do the right thing. Uh, how, you know, uh, what do I need in my life? Yeah. Uh, and, of course, uh, uh, the answer uh, is uh, is exactly this: the power of God. You know, I, I love uh, and excuse me for preaching. I, I shouldn't, but I, I just love talking. You know, I, I go into preaching mode over this. Yeah. You know, I, I love uh, Romans chapter one: uh, the power of God. The gospel is the power yeah, of God to right. salvation. What is the, uh, the 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 Greek word for power? Is dunamis. Dunamis. What does it mean? Well, it's like dynamite. Dynamite! That's where we get our word from. You know, the word for dynamite comes from the Greek word dunamis, which, of course, means power. That's right. Um, and uh, I, when I looked at that, I turn around and I say, hey, mm. there's something very beautiful mm-hmm. about this mm. uh, this story of what Jesus has done. But mm. look, let's come to some music because I'm conscious our time is fast uh, getting away from us. Uh, let's come to Michael Card. This is the song El Shaddai. Hi, El 
时代。Through your love and through the ram, you saved the son of Abraham, and by the power of your hand, turn the sea into dry land. To the outcast on her knees. That uh, that goes back to my era when I was growing up. That's a my time at college, Marty. That was a wow, long time well, ago. That is, uh, but I <laughs> I love that uh, that song. I think it's really really something very special. It is. Uh, now, now, folks, look, we do have that giveaway book again. Now, look, folks, we have had quite a number of people uh, uh, write in and request this book. Uh, uh, that number again. If you would like this book, uh, knowing Jesus, knowing God, it's all, this is about 
Jesus. This is a this is a devotional book, but it's a devotional book that will also challenge you. This is the sort of book that you might want to read in your early morning devotional time. If you want to start moving into devotional time, uh, this book is well worth uh, picking up. Now, uh, to get this book, all you've got to do is to text us at our drive time text number 04888 80811. 04888 80811. Uh, and in your text, just put the code and it's SA131. SA, five digits in a row. SA131 and uh, text that number to uh, uh, 04888 80811. That'll trigger our robot. He'll come back to you, ask you just a few questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest uh, way way possible. Uh, you will love uh, knowing Jesus, uh, knowing knowing God. Now you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and uh, this week we're asking uh, what are the essential steps to Jesus but today we're simply asking what is the gospel. Marty, really appreciate what you've actually been sharing so far. Just bring it together for us because I'm really conscious we are getting towards the top of the hour. Yeah, Pastor Gary, I want to reiterate the fact that when we understand our human condition this helps us to have a deeper appreciation for what Christ has done for us. The Bible says in very plain language in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So sin is like this virus that has affected every single human being. In fact, The psalmist writes in Psalm 51 verse 5, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So that means that even from birth, we actually have a sinful nature. We are, we are pre-programmed. We have a, we have a, a predisposition to, towards things that are, um, not in harmony with God's will for our lives, that yeah, are self-destructive, yeah, yeah. that are selfish. And because of this, we cannot inherit eternal life because heaven and eternal life can only be given to those who have no sin, you know, to those who have been forgiven, for those who have been cleansed of their sin, we can't dwell in 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 the in a realm of holiness and purity where it's just full of unselfish love. We wouldn't fit in there unless there was a significant change that happened in our lives, and that's what the gospel brings about. The gospel brings about this amazing change. Now, I think I just want to also highlight the fact that even secular psychologists recognize we need to live for something bigger than ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Martin Seligman, who was the former president of the American Psychological Association, known as the father of positive psychology, affirms the fact that to live a truly fulfilling life, you have to live for something bigger than yourself. Mm. Augustine said, we are restless until we find rest. In you. So there's this, there's this need, there's this longing for God in our hearts. Whether it's, whether it's guilt in our life, whether it's condemnation for something that we've done in the past, maybe five years, ten years ago, mm. whether it's our brokenness because we've gone, th- we've, We've experienced broken relationships. We've experienced dysfunction in our, in our upbringings and, or we've been the victim of abuse or trauma. There are so many things that show us that as human beings, we are mm. fragile. 
Mm. We need a saviour. Mm. We need, we long for peace and security. We long for pardon of, of our sins. You know, the Bible tells us that in uh, Isaiah 59 verse 2, it says that our sins have separated us from God. Mm. God can reach down and rescue us, but it's our sin that has separated us from God. And whenever I think of that phrase, I think of God reaching out to us, but us actually turning away and running in the opposite direction. Mm. And for many people, the the issue with this this the issue with a relationship with God is their picture of God is not correct. Mm-hmm. That's why this book is so important because. When you know who God is, not just know about him, not just know a few things here and there, but when you know who God is, your heart will long for more of him. Mm-hmm. You you know, that's that's what God does. But sin you know, I, I, I love distorts what that picture. I, 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 it's true. I love what you're saying there because when the, the gospel, when a person accepts Jesus Christ, I, I love, you know, First John chapter 3, Beloved, now are we the sons and daughters of the Most High God. It hasn't yet been uh, revealed what we shall be like, but we know that when we see him, we'll be like him. I love what Peter says. You're a kingdom of, uh, you're heirs, ambassadors, you're a kingdom of yeah. priests to our God. Do you know the thing that I'm so conscious of that when a person accepts the gospel, uh, there is actually a uh, a change in how we are regarded by God, and dare I say it, a change in how we are regarded uh, regard ourselves. You know, when a person Absolutely. is a is a son and daughter of God, where they're a king, a priest, an heir, an ambassador, uh, all of a sudden there is different thinking. There is a, a different way of dealing with the the challenges that this world faces. Yeah, God transforms us from the inside out because he actually comes and he actually... Yeah, he, it's a miracle of grace, Gary. You know, we can get, try and go into the science of it, but it truly is a miracle of grace yeah. that when I fall on my knees and I say to, to the Lord, I say, Lord, you know what it is in my life. You know what I did. But I'm asking you to take that sin away. I'm asking you for a new heart. I'm asking you to transform my life. And I know that when I do that, and I've done it many times, that God does work in my life. And that the things that I used to struggle with, I don't struggle with as much anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, God gives strength. He transforms our minds, our characters. It's a, That is a gradual process, by mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. But um, that is a result of the gospel. But, you know, when we can just simply come before God in honesty and openness, God performs a miracle in our lives. There are many people, I think, when you think about human nature, you have to, we have to be honest and say human nature is very broken. Mm. Uh, look 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 what happens when you know when a disaster strikes look what happens when our lives are, are threatened we go into this whirlwind of chaos and confusion mm. fear takes a hold of us and we stop thinking rationally mm. you know i sometimes i i sometimes as a father i actually see this in the kids a little bit mm. I've, we've got three young children my wife and i and, and sometimes you see them get you know panicking and scared about something and you say hey you know it's all uh, all okay but that that rationality isn't there mm-hmm. and the mind uh, gets gets fixated on this issue 
And so we need, we long for something beyond what this world can actually give us. You know, before, uh, if we've, if we've, let me just check the time. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to run out of time, but, uh, I remember when my mum was in hospital. Mm. She was in palliative care. Mum had a brain tumor, a very aggressive brain tumor. And there was a big board on the in the hallway and it said before I die dot 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 and it was the it was the final kind of wishes of people who were on their deathbed. And I remember standing and just being in awe and mesmerized by what I was reading on this screen. I was like, wow, this is the, this is the, it's like looking into the soul of a person and seeing this is what they really, really want. And there was a very common theme and it was love. People long for love. They long to hold their loved one one more time. They long to be able to, express that gratitude and that appreciation and just be with those who they care about most. And why do we need love so much? It's because God is love, the Bible says, Mm -hmm. and we've been created in the image of God. And so we've been created for love. We've been created for a relationship with God. Many people, unfortunately, don't realize that until they're right at the end of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. The the meaning of life, according to psychologists, only becomes apparent right at the end of it. And many people pursue career, they pursue this, they pursue that. They try all these other things in order to fill their life with meaning, but they forget the gospel. And, and you know, somebody somebody has actually said, you know, uh, there's nobody that's on their deathbed that turns around and says, hey, I wish I had spent more time at the office. Nobody says that. No. Uh, but they do say things like, I wish I had uh, shared more with my, my family. They do say things like, hey, I wish I had been more serious about mm. uh, the subjects that we're presenting today. Yeah. Marty, look, I'm really conscious that uh, our time is as finished. But look, I'm just wondering, would you like to just pray for us Absolutely. Uh, just as we conclude? Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you that we can come to you. There's nothing good in us, but we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he took our place on Calvary's cross. We thank you that he took all of our sin, all of our guilt, and all of our shame, and that we can go free. And Father, today, I want to pray for that person who is listening in, who 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 is longing for peace, who is longing to have guilt and shame and condemnation of the past, longing to have those things taken away, longing for safety and security. And Lord, I just want to pray that in their heart they would just reach out to you just now and say, Lord, you know what it is in my life that is struggling with. You know what I did that has brought pain to myself and pain to others. And Lord, I'm, I'm giving that to you now. I'm asking you to take it away. I'm asking Jesus for you to come into my heart. Lord, as, as that, as those prayers ascend, I trust and know that Lord, anyone who comes to you, you would by no means cast out. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. Thank you for welcoming us into your family. Thank you for saving us by your grace. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Marty, thank you so much. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. 
Thank you for joining Pastor Gary and Marty Thompson on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be chatting with Pastor Brenton Wilkinson. Uh, we'll be responding to the question, what is repentance all about? Is it really essential? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God abundantly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.